0: Welcome to Whiskey and Lemon. I am your host, Lana Mercedes. Since you all seem to be loving my Q&A episodes, I thought it would be great to do another one centered around how I take care of myself in honor of Mental Health Month. Let me remind you that I am not a doctor. I studied social psychology and have worked as a domestic abuse advocate. I am only providing my own mental health care practices. I am not suggesting or confirming that these practices will undoubtedly work for you. If you are in a fragile place, I advise listening to this episode with caution. I'm not going to get too deep here because I've personally been pretty anxious the past couple of days, so I'm choosing to make this conversation more of a discussion to provide takeaways, which is how I always try to frame my episodes anyway. All right, I received some awesome questions via Instagram and I'm ready to dive right in. I thought this was a great question to start off with, as we all may view this differently. The question is, how would you define mental health? I went over to the American Psychological Association website and I found their definition and they explain it way better than I could, so I'm just going to go ahead and provide that definition now. Mental health is a state of mind characterized by emotional well-being, good behavioral adjustment, relative freedom from anxiety and disabling symptoms and a capacity to establish constructive relationships and cope with the ordinary demands and stresses of life. Question number two is do you have anxiety and if so how do you experience it? Honestly in this world do any of us not have anxiety? I do experience anxiety and generally it comes from some sort of bad news whether that be personally or something going on in the world. The way I experience it is physically. I get an unsettling feeling in my stomach. Sometimes I experience it through fear and paranoia. I get sad, really sad, and worried for people, whether that be people I care about, people I just know or know of, and even people that I don't know. Sometimes I even cry. This is usually triggered by something really sad like death or extreme violence, and I can also experience it when it's not as intense, but maybe my hormones are out of whack that day. Question number three, how can you manage feeling low when you have no support? So I'm actually going to refer to question four on this as I think both points can be discussed in the same note. Um, question four is what things do you do when you are feeling super anxious or depressed? So I have a few things that I do that help me stay on track when I'm feeling unsupported. And let me add that sometimes we may not be supported at a particular time, or it may be that we don't feel supported in the way that we want to be. So I do think it's important that we communicate our needs correctly so that we can align as much as possible. Some of the things that I do in the instances that I am not feeling support, though, is stretch. Yoga has been so vital for me over the past couple of years. It really helps me to take a proactive stand against feelings of sadness. I love to cook so I can easily put on a good podcast or some feel-good music while I'm in the kitchen, and that really helps me feel better. I also love to read and take my eyes off screens, like phones, computers, TVs, all of that stuff. Taking a nice hot shower and letting the water run on the back of my neck is so relaxing. And you can also get a massage or seek therapy if those options are available to you. Sometimes people we are close to just have their own stuff going on and can't think beyond those things in the moment. So reaching out to not only communicate your struggles, but seeing how you can provide support to them is helpful. Being there for others is a really good way to make yourself feel good. Knowing you can make a difference for someone else really boosts your dopamine levels. Question number five is how do you push yourself to be proactive when you don't even want to get out of bed? I like to focus on how I want to feel versus what I must do to feel that way or how I'm feeling at that moment try to move away from a general i want to feel happy statement and think about what precise feeling will get you there and leverage that if i know i want to feel more energy i need to get up and work out stretch move my body take a shower whatever energizes you if you want to feel more connected reach out to loved ones provide support to others as i discussed in the last question and really there's no magic i can give you as to how to make yourself be more productive when you don't want to be you just have to do it. Like, I kind of just tell myself, like, get up right now. And I just do it before I can think about it anymore. Because if I continue to ruminate on it, I won't do it. So I just, the moment it comes to my mind, I just get up, got to get it done. Question number six is how can I explain my depression to my partner when they can't empathize? Some people just cannot relate to certain emotions and that's okay. What is important is that you have a partner that gives you space to express yourself without judgment, and that you practice communicating your feelings and needs in a healthy manner. Both actions from each of you require a lifetime of nurturing, simply because all relationships require ongoing sustenance. Just like a plant or an animal, you don't just give it nourishment for a few weeks and then let it survive on its own. So this goes for your relationship with your partner and for yourself. Question number seven, I have a hard time communicating my feelings when I'm feeling down. I want to cut everyone off and become very mean and yell when they push me to open up. Does this happen to you? Wow, this is a really vulnerable and powerful question. I think we all can get to this point, whether it be on a small or large scale. The goal is to keep it as minimal as possible. Some things to look into would be the practices I previously mentioned in this episode that I do to get myself filling in a better headspace. Also, the following key things are crucial for me and many others when it comes to treating yourself right in order to treat others right. Proper sleep. Some people can get by on six hours. I need eight at a minimum of seven. Some people need eight or nine. Don't think about how many hours you need to just be able to get out of bed in the morning, but how many hours you need to function optimally. Not making this a priority will affect not only your mental health, but your emotional and physical health as well. Your diet. Eat foods that make you feel good and not things that just taste good like pizza and fries, things that make your body feel at its best. I'm not saying you can never eat those things, but have them in moderation once a week at most and really foster eating that will give your body some love. And I really say once a week at most, but even less than that if you're really feeling down. Avoid too much caffeine, alcohol, refined sugars. Have more fruits in moderation, of course, because there is still a lot of sugar there, even though it is natural. Vegetables, oats, and unrefined grains. Also try to get outdoors as much as you can. Soak up some vitamin D. Taking supplements are helpful as well, but there is nothing like the real thing. Another one I want to recommend is looking into getting your blood checked. Make sure you're not deficient in any major vitamins. More to come on this in the future. Question number eight is, how do you cope when you want to spend time with people but don't at the same time? Simply put, start off slow. Connect with friends or family in one-on-one settings if large groups just feel overwhelming right now. If you find yourself self-isolating, do try to get out and connect with others, but don't overwhelm yourself with too much too soon. Question number nine, how can I be proactive in making myself feel better? Coupling all of the tips I provided in this episode, I'd also like to defer to the next question in answering this one, which is, how do I know if it is time to see a therapist? The American Psychological Association suggests you consider seeing a therapist when something causes distress and interferes with something in your life. Per the APA, when thinking about distress, here are some issues to consider. Number one, do you or someone close to you spend some amount of time every week thinking about the problem? Number two, is the problem embarrassing, to the point that you want to hide from others? And number three, over the past few months, has the problem reduced your quality of life? When thinking about interference, some other issues may deserve consideration. Number one, does the problem take up considerable time? For example, more than one hour per day. Number two, have you curtailed your work or educational ambitions because of the problem? And number three, are you rearranging your lifestyle to accommodate the problem? Please refer to the link in the episode notes for more information on this. I want to leave you with a message from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Quote, a mental illness is a condition that affects a person's thinking, feeling, behavior, or mood. These conditions deeply impact day-to-day living and may also affect the ability to relate to others. If you have, or you think you may have, a mental illness, the first thing you must know is that you are not alone. Mental health conditions are far more common than you think, mainly because people don't like to, or are scared to, talk about them. However, 1 in 5 U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. 1 in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. 1 in 6 U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14, and 75% by age 24. A mental condition isn't the result of one event. Research suggests multiple linking causes. Genetics, environment, and lifestyle influence whether someone develops a mental health condition. A stressful job or home life makes some people more susceptible, as do traumatic life events. Biochemical processes and circuits and basic brain structure may play a role as well. None of this means that you're broken or that you or your family did something wrong. Mental illness is no one's fault. And for many people, recovery, including meaningful roles in social life, school, and work is possible. Especially when you start treatment early and play a strong role in your own recovery process. Unquote. I am leaving you with two quotes for the week. I love this one. It's one of those quotes where it can hit you like a ton of bricks for a moment, but the words speak so true and it ultimately is a standard to help us control our own desires in life. This is a quote by Eartha Kitt. It's all about falling in love with yourself and sharing that love with someone who appreciates you rather than looking for love to compensate for a self-love deficit. And the second quote by Maya Angelou, as you grow older, you will discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself the other for helping others. Thank you so much for listening and sharing this podcast. As always, I hope this information was helpful for you. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.